Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our time together here at the Digital Cathedral. Hope you've had a wonderful week. Hope you've had a good week, a strong week, and hope you're anticipating even a better week as we head into this latter part of August. Hard to believe this year is really slipping by. I want to get into some of our I Amness this morning, and I want to talk about, if I were to put a title on this teaching today, I would call it this. I am. Is it natural or is it spiritual? I am. Is it natural or is it spiritual? Let's begin with a verse over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Hope you have your coffee ready and you're ready to dig in a little bit and listen closely. And then at the end, I have an announcement to make that I think is extremely important. So you want to make sure that you listen to the whole teaching this morning. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, I am. Is it natural or is it spiritual? 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Let me read that again. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So you got a choice right off the bat in this in this verse out of the New King James, you have a choice. Are you either going to be natural or are you going to be spiritual? And let me just say right up front this morning, it's going to be your choice how you live. It's going to be your choice whether you follow natural or you follow spiritual. You are a creator and you can create out of whichever realm that you want to create. But there's one of the realms that have a much more uh, positive result and is going to be more fulfilling to you and meet the needs that you really desire within your heart. Let me read that verse out of the Passion. Out of the Passion. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, out of the Passion. Hope y'all don't mind me using a lot of scripture. It's just me. I'm a scripture guy. Uh, I don't believe that it's inerrant or infallible, but I believe that there is a lot of truth in scripture, and I think that the spirit of truth can pull, can pull a lot of revelation out of scripture. So I, I, I like to read my Bible. I'm still a Bible guy. Now watch what it says in the in the Passion, 1 Corinthians 2.14. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's Spirit. Why? For they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. So the, the things that God wants to reveal to us, and as we go down this path of I amness, and becoming a creator, we're going to have to understand that we're going to, have to make a choice. The scripture lays out the choice very clearly. It says either we walk by the Spirit, which is also known as the inner voice. Also, we could say the tree of life. Do you want to feed from the tree of life, the inner voice, the Spirit? Or you can walk by the data that your five senses feed, feed your mind, and then you can make what you feel is a logical sensible decision. We call that living by choice. So I did a teaching a couple of weeks ago called Voice or Choice, and it's really up to you. You can go whichever way you want to go, but if you go by the by the choice, I'll tell you right now, you're feeding from the wrong tree. You don't want to feed from that tree because the results are not what you're really looking for. Now the downside, as I see it, to living out of, out of the natural is the inability to perceive what the Spirit of God is saying. That's just what's going to happen. He, it, it, says, it says plainly here in that 14th verse that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. 
and he can't know them because they don't fit logical patterns oftentimes. They don't fit feelings. The tree of life does not coincide with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Voice and choice aren't always the same. So when we come into the, learning to live out of our I amness, our, our identity as divinity, as we learn how to be a creator that we've been endowed with the ability to do, we're going to have to make a decision whether we live by voice or choice, tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, spirit or natural. Now, if you decide that you're going to walk by spirit, feed from the tree of life, listen to me, then at some point you're going to have to make the decision to trust the voice that is within you, that inner voice. And I'm not, it's, not, it's not an audible voice. It comes by a perception or a hunch, a gut feeling, uh, something you know that you just know that you know. You can't explain it, but it's, it's speaking to you and it's, it's drawing you and it's, it's directing you. Now, that's a leap of faith for most of us, especially in the beginning. It's a tremendous leap of faith to move off of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We've been conditioned to live there all of our life make logical, sensible decisions. And I'm not saying that the Spirit of God is always not logical or not sensible. Most of the time it is. But there may come a time that it conflicts what the Spirit is saying at the tree of life to what the five senses are feeding uh, to your mind naturally. So you, you have to make a, a choice which one you're going to live from. And when you begin to learn to live from the voice that is within, and I understand sometimes in the beginning it's, it's tough. Jesus said, his sheep hear his voice. Sometimes it's hard to discern it when you first start. So you practice. If you make, look, if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. The Spirit of God will put, it's like a GPS. He'll put you right back on track. Don't be afraid of making a mistake. This is how we learn. Sometimes when we start, we hit it, and sometimes we miss it. But it's okay. Don't get discouraged if you make a, uh, what you feel is a choice from the, the spirit within and it ends up being maybe something that didn't turn out the way you thought it would or it wasn't as fulfilling as maybe you had hoped for. That's okay. Get right back on and you continue to develop this. The, the, the promptings, the gut feelings, the intuition, um, it, it's usually not an audible voice. I'll be honest with you. I have never heard the audible voice of God. Some people have heard the audible voice of God. That's fine. But I tell you what, the more I have developed this inner voice, the stronger it gets. It's, it's easy for me to, to tell the difference between, right now it's easy for me to tell the difference between my voice and his voice. Although generally they're one voice. It's the same thing. There's one mind. It's his mind. So what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 along about verse 25 is so accurate. If we're going to live in the spirit, then we have to also walk in the spirit. Now that's a daily, that's a daily uh, transaction, learning how to walk in the spirit every day. And as you walk in the spirit daily, you find that you're living in the spirit. Now, if I think soulish thoughts, if I think thoughts that are the product of my will and my emotions that have, that have fed into my mind, you know, my will and my emotions, uh, how I feel, the way things look, it feeds data to my mind. And if I make choices and decisions out of there, I'm going to find it virtually impossible for that inner voice to direct me. The, 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 the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth does not compete with you. He draws you. He pulls you. He speaks to you. Uh, you become very familiar with that voice. And at times, let me say again, it's not logical. It's not reasonable. At times. And at many times it will be. It's, 
It's more about the peace. The peace is what you follow. The peace is what draws you. When you desire something, when, you're, when, when, when you get a thought, man, I really would like to attain this. I would like this job. I would like this advancement. There's a peace that comes. If there's not a peace, then don't follow it. The peace, the peace is a good uh, green light for the voice that dwells within you. Now, if you function in the natural, what I'm trying to say is, and I think what Paul is getting at here, is if you function in the natural, you disconnect from spirit. You can't function in both at the same time. You can't live by natural and live by spiritual at the same time. If you're one that is, you just can't pull out of, out of your logic, out of your reason, out of what your eyes are telling you, what your ears are hearing, you're never going to connect as strongly to spirit. It's just the way it is. You can't walk in both spirit and natural at the same time. Now, here's, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Here's how most people live. Here's how I lived for a lot of years as a, as a pastor, as a, as a strong believer, loving Jesus. Here's how I lived. I would get a feeling or I'd get a prompting within, right? I would, I would get a quickening. I, I would sense something very strong within, a gut feeling. And you know what I would do? I would immediately pass that through the filter of logic and reason. Do you, know, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? Have you ever done that? Where, where you all of a sudden, within, in, inside, you know, okay, I've got, man, I'm sensing this. But then you pass it through the filter of logic and reason. Will it benefit me? Uh, what does it look like? How, how would I make this happen? It, the, the fact is it doesn't pass through that filter. And as a result, we don't often respond. So you're going to have to take that filter of logic and reason and, and extract it, pull it back, pull it back out of the way. And you're going to, at some point, going to have to trust what you sense within. If you live by what you see and what you feel, it's, it's hard to declare, I am love. And that's going to be one of the first declarations you need to make if you walk in spirit, live in spirit, is that declaration has got to be, I am love, because everything that's that's valid, that's created in the kingdom, that is created by spirit, comes out of that motivation of love. Love for you, which is seeing you as the Father sees you. Love for other people, which is seeing them as the Father sees them. I am love. It's, it's hard. You cannot make the declaration, I am love, if you're going to live out of the five senses you cannot, as um, Paul said, what is it, Galatians 5.1? He said, be imitators of God as dear children. So we're going to imitate a God who is love. What that inner voice will tell you is going to conflict with what you feel because a lot of people, listen, a lot of people you're going to deal with, especially right now and everything that's going on in the earth, a lot of people you're going to deal with are not loving. They're not easy to love. They're, they're, they're just not loving people. But if you're going to imitate the Father, who is love, then the declaration that's going to come out of you, your, your I am, if you walk in spirit, live in spirit, is going to be I am love. And you're going to start, as Paul said, not seeing people after the flesh. You're not going to recognize people by their behavior. You're going to start seeing them through the eyes of the Father, which is authentic identity. You're going to begin to see them as part of your body, as being part of you, of being one with you. Man, that changes everything, doesn't it? When I see somebody that is a little bit aggravating, I have to step back and say, you know what? He's part of the body that I'm connected to. Now, as we learn to create, I think that you're going to learn how to be able to create and help that person 
that is not loving. And some of it's gonna come just by the, the fact that you demonstrate the love of the Father. So what that inner voice will tell you may conflict with what you feel. So as a result of that, feelings, feelings that are fed by sight, hearing, and logic, they're gonna control your choices. Now, do you understand, not, not can you understand why the, you either live by spirit or live by natural? If you live by natural, if you live by the senses, if you live by reason, live by logic, if you live the way that you've been groomed to live all of your life, it's going to affect your choices. It's going to affect your decisions. It's going to affect the direction that you that you willingly take in life. And as you as you make those decisions, listen, as you make those decisions, make those choices, follow that direction, what you're going to create may not be what you want. It may not be what you want. What you see, what you feel, what you hear is subject to change. It changes all of the time. The landscape of the world changes all of the time. Now, Paul dealt with this in the church. And one of the churches he dealt with it in was the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, they, they were totally led by their senses. They were the most gifted. The Corinthian church moved into gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were very charismatic. But Paul talked to them about the very thing that we're talking about this morning. So let me just read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's see how Paul addressed this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Notice what he says. He said, And brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, carne, natural. Your babes in Christ. They were in Christ. No question they were in Christ, but they were babes in Christ. I, I pastored people that were babes for 20 years, and they felt they'd been a Christian for 20 years and that they had been down the road 20 years. Actually, they were in maturity one year, and they had gone over that one year of maturity 20 times. They, I would say what Paul said, I, I can't talk to you like spiritual people because you are babes in Christ. You're still carnal. You're following the flesh. You're following the dictates of what you see, what you hear, what you... What you um, taste, you know, what, how it appears to you. Paul said, we don't, we don't move after the things that are seen, but we move after the things that are unseen because the things that are unseen are the eternal things, whereas the things that are seen are temporary. So he's dealing with people here that all their, all their, their spiritual experience was natural. It was not spiritual. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you are not able to receive it, and even now you're not able. So you're at the Digital Cathedral this morning, and you have to make some choices. What you're going to live by, because <clears throat> beginning next Sunday morning, we're going to get into some stuff. I told you, the first Sunday of September, we're, this is going deeper. So I want you to make some decisions. Are you going to live by spirit or live by natural? If you're going to live by natural, then the things I'm, I'm going to continue to teach are not going to make sense to you. They're not going to be relevant to you. You're probably going to tune them out and not stick with us at the Digital Cathedral. But if you're going to listen to the Spirit, which is where we're going, Tree of Life, we're following His direction, we're learning our I amness, creating, then there's going to be a whole, whole different story. He says in verse 3, here's how I knew they were carnal. Verse 3, for you are still carnal, for where there is envy and strife, now, why, why would there be envy and strife? There would be envy because of what people were seeing. Let's bring it into today's world. 
Envy comes, we look at somebody and they're driving a car we wish we drove. They're living in a house we wish we had. They had a job that we wish we had. And so we get jealous, we're envious of them. He said, there's strife and there's divisions among you. He said, aren't you still carnal and you're behaving like mere men? Now, when you, when you move into spirit and you begin to feed at the tree of life, you begin to, to follow the direction of that inner voice, you change trees. And when you change trees, you understand you're not just a mere man anymore. You are a spirit being that is housed in flesh. Your spirit is housed in the flesh, this earth suit, but that's, this earth, that's not you. Now, because we're in this earth suit, the earth suit screams and yells for attention. And it screams and yells for attention by circumstances, by surroundings, by things that we encounter, by things that we see, by things that seem sensible. And so we begin to follow those, and you know what? It shifts, all of a sudden it changes. And what we were following is no more. The whole thing is shifted. That's why it's temporary. Paul said things you see are temporary. But when you, when you connect into this walk in spirit, live in spirit, feed it tree of life, tune into that voice that is within, that gut feeling, the intuition, the inclination, the drawing, the pulling, all of a sudden, now you understand, you're, you're tuned into a different frequency than you were when you were just being led by your emotions, by your will, by... Uh, by what you were thinking at that particular time. I mean, sometimes you go, what were you thinking? Because what you were thinking then, the whole, the whole thing has changed. The whole thing is, has shifted. So Paul's telling this church that were, that were the most gifted, there's no question about it, they were, they were functioning in more gifts. He talks about prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues to these, to these Corinthian Christians because they were functioning in it and yet they were fleshly. They were undirected. They were not a spirit-minded group. They were not following the, 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 the promptings of the voice that was within. So let me just say this. Let me clear the deck on something because I know many of us have been gift chasers. We have, we have run after anointing. When somebody is able to you know, tell you your address that you live at that you've never met before or they're able to tell you some little known fact about your life, all of a sudden we are in awe, tremendous awe let me explain something to you. Gifting is not an, an endorsement of living by spirit. Let me say that again. Gifting is not an endorsement of someone to prove that they're living by spirit. Or let me, let me lay it out like this. Anointing is not an endorsement of character. There's a lot of anointed people that do not have a good character. When you live by spirit, you live from the inside to the outside, and what's taking place on the inside begins to affect what you are on the outside. It changes your character. It changes your actions, changes your decisions, changes your choices. And when your choices and decisions decisions and actions change, then the world that you're creating for yourself to live in is automatically going to change. Paul, Paul lays it out for them. He, he, look what he tells the Corinthian Christians. Let's, let's just back it up a chapter to chapter two and verse nine. Chapter 2 and verse 9. He says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of the natural man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. It's just another way of Paul saying that if you're going to go that natural route, you're not going to tap into the spirit. You're not going to tap into this wealth that God has for you. But then he goes on in verse 10 and says, but, I always like a but in scripture. 
because what's going to follow the but is what he is trying to drive home. He says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So that arena of natural does not work. Paul just, he just was blunt. He said, it's not going to come by what you see or what you hear. It's not going to enter your natural heart. It doesn't come in that way. He says, but God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. How does the Spirit reveal? He prompts us. He shows us. He unveils. He gives us a key to unlock a mystery. Mysteries are being unlocked today, unbelievably so. So Paul says that's how this functions. Now, it, the alternative is this. You can try to run spirit through a soulish filter, but it doesn't work. You can't, you can't take the things of the spirit and run it through a natural filter. It's like trying to play checkers with chess rules. It's confusing. It's impossible. Uh, uh, it's frustrating. You can't play checkers with chess rules. Neither can you live in spirit by natural laws or by natural rules. You can't give yourself to the thought, for example, of your I amness, I am broke, I am poor, I am stuck where I'm stuck and I'll, I'll, I am will never be better than I am now. See, you can't pair that with I am prosperous. That's what the Spirit of God would say to you. He's prospering you. You can't say I'm broken, I'm prosperous. Out of the same, out of the same mouth can't flow uh, rivers of life and rivers of death. It can't, it can't, it can't flow that way. So we're making choices, aren't we? We're making decisions. You can't say I am sick with I am healed. Now, the fact may be that you're sick, but the truth is you're healed. So now are we going to follow the fact or are we going to follow the truth? And you, when you follow the prompting and you eat at the tree of life, you follow the truth. Now, does that mean I deny that I don't feel well? Does that deny that I need to get some care at the doctor? Absolutely not. But that that is not who I am. I'm not putting my I amness on that. You understand where I'm coming from? You're not putting your I amness on I am sick, I am broke, I am not going to make it, I I am not worthy, I am not righteous. That's not you. That's not your right I amness. Your right I am is I am righteous, I am justified, I am a son of God. See, that's the truth. When you when you live by the tree of choice, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you live by what you sense you see. And you might see you're broke. Checkbook might be zero. It has nothing to do with it. I am still prosperous. I've, 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 I've had my checkbook read zero. And I've had a balance in my checkbook where I could do pretty much what I wanted. But neither one of those formed my identity. They did not say who I am. Through everything, I am. I am a chip off of I am that I am. The will is strong. I mean, the will is strong. So when you get a will that is under the direction and the control of the spirit, that is a powerful force, brother. That is a powerful force. But when you get a will under the direction of the five senses, that's when you're stubborn. <laughs> that's, when you, that's when you won't listen to truth. That's when you turn it off because you know better. See, now it's your choice. What I'm getting at this morning is this, very simply. It's your choice 
what you're going to listen to. It's your choice what you're going to follow. It's your choice of what you're going to pursue. It's your choice of what you're going to create. When you say, I am, and whatever you fill that blank in with I am, let me tell you something. This is, this is a fact. This is truth. When, whatever you fill that I am with, it's going to gather the forces of your inner man, of your soul, and your body to bring about the declaration of your I am. If you don't believe me, sit down and be silent for just a few minutes and look at what is going on in your life and see if it's not a result of what you declared I am. You've told people, I'm poor. I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm never happy. I'm scared. I am insecure. And that's, how, that's what you've created. So don't tell me you're not a creator. You are a creator. You have brought, see, fear is bringing something that is not seen into the scene, which is a manifestation in your life. So you're already bringing the invisible into the visible. You just haven't been conscious of it. Nobody's come and said, look, let's get this thing directed. Let's find, let's find out how the Father did it, how Jesus did it, and how he passed it on for us to do it as well. As long as your affirmation is directed by spirit, and that continues, that affirmation in spirit continues to be the center of your will, then I am will manifest what you actually really desire. Now, this, this is not a work of exhausting effort. I'm not talking about you got to get in there and you got to, you know, as we say in, in, in Texas, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's, it's not, it's not, that's not what we're talking about. It's recognizing the voice of the Spirit. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 10. Let me read it for you. I love what Jesus said here, and I, I relate to it too, so much. And I feel like this is so important as we're learning how to be a creator, because this is a, a joint effort between you and the Father. And what I'm trying to get across this morning is this. If we're going to create, if we're going to be as he is in this world, then we got to make some decisions. And one of the decisions is that we got to come out of living by natural and we got to begin to trust what is going on within us. Now, here's how Jesus worked with the Father. John chapter 14 and verse 10. Jesus said this, don't you believe that I am, here's his I am, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I speak to you, I don't speak in my own authority, but I speak, but I speak, listen, I don't speak by my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. So what we're going to begin to uncover here in the next very few weeks, stay with me every week, don't miss. We're going to begin to see that this cooperative effort of co-creating is the Father in us does the works. What we want to do is make sure that we're aligning ourselves, our I am, with the I amness of the Father. And when we do that, the voice that we hear within really becomes your voice. There's only one voice. There's only one mind. And it's just learning to shut our carnal mind up, our carnal mind up, and begin to tap into the mind of Christ that you possess. See, voice possess the mind of Christ. You haven't always thought from it. You've thought from out here. You've thought on what's going on out here. The mind of Christ always thinks from within. So what we're talking about, if you're going to be spirit, you live from within. If you're going to be natural-minded, you live from without. And what is without affects what is within. But if you live from spirit, what is within affects what is without. That's powerful. That is powerful. You're going to create. You're going to create. 
If you create by natural, you take what is without and you take it within. That's why you're fearful, you feel insecure, you're not sure what the future holds, you're uh, at the mercy of the government. But when you live from the inside out, it changes the outward circumstances. So it just depends which dimension you're gonna give the priority to as you create, because you're already creating. Take some time and look at your life. You've probably said, if you said, I am not smart enough to advance in my job, I am stuck here with this minimum wage job, you've just created it. You've, you, you have followed it, you have followed the natural. So when we um, keep our, our, our will spirit-centered, it's not a hard, it's, it's not work. It's a, it's a process of resting. That's where we lean back into him. This is, all, this is all internal work. This is not exterior work. This is internal work. We rest. We lean back into him. We trust that the one who spoke it in here has the power to do it. That's what Abraham found. The one that promised it is going to be the one that does it. And then we believe. We just respond to what he says. If he says the coin that you need to pay the taxes is in the fish's mouth, go down and throw your line into the water, that's what you do. It's a cooperative effort of creating. He created the coin in the fish's mouth and you heard the voice that was within and that prompting and you responded to it. You didn't create it. You trusted the one that you heard speak that he was able to produce it. So it's a, it's a cooperative effort. If Jesus didn't respond and go down and tell, tell them, go down there and pull that fish out and get the coin out of his mouth, if he didn't respond to it, then the joint effort of the Father and Jesus in creating that situation would have never happened. Here's what I'm trying to say. Keep your I am consistent with the Father's I am and with the Son's I am. All right, are you ready? Matthew chapter 16. Let's see how we do that. Matthew chapter 16. I love this stuff. This stuff is going to turn the world upside down. Matthew chapter 16, and let's pick it up with verse 13. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, you know the story, and he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, didn't say I, who, I the son of God, who, who do people say that I, the son of man, am? Now what he's going to, now what their response is going to be is what they say is ap applicable to Jesus, but it's applicable to you. Whatever Jesus is, you is. Son of man, you're son of man. He's son of God, you're son of God. Now, who do they say this son of man is? Some said some said from the outside appearances, data that is fed to us, you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Now, there's a good revelation in it. Who do you say I am? Peter answered and said, all right, now remember, Whatever they say about Jesus, they're saying about you. Who's I, who am I, the son of man? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So you are the anointed one. That's, that's all Christ means. It's not the, uh, some kind of far out title. It just simply means anointed one, gifted one. You are, the, you are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. Now, who do you say I am? That's not a question for 2000 years ago. I think that's a question that is relevant today because it's really being addressed to the manifestation. It's being addressed to us by the conceiver who is Christ. Now, you need to get this. You need to get this. Let this get rooted deep within you. Who do, who do you say I am? All right. Who do you say you are? Who do you say you are? In John chapter uh, 16, verse 15, 
Jesus said, everything that the Father has, he's put into my hand. And he says, everything that is in my hand, the Father will take and give to you. So everything that had been placed within the hand of Jesus, now the Father is taking, which are all things, and he's putting it into our hands. That includes creating. That includes create. Jesus did some creative stuff. He did some, he did some mind-blowing, we call it miracles. Jesus didn't call them miracles. Jesus called it another day at the office. It was another day of kingdom living. It was another day of manifesting as a son. So his I am, that I am is your I am. As he is, you is. So when, when Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Peter came up with the answer that Jesus said, man, you are blessed. You didn't get this from uh, natural means. You got it from revelation from the Father. He's talking about the true self of every son of man. Our true identity is divinity. So he's asking you, he's asking you, he's asking us this morning, who in, you, who in your spirit do you believe you be? What is your I am? What is your I am? What is your true self? If your true self you see as uh, identity as divinity, then you can't walk as a natural man anymore. You have got to pull that level up. See, Jesus wasn't interested in people's impressions of him. What he was interested in is, what has the Father revealed to you about me? The impression the Pharisees had of Jesus didn't affect him. And, the, and, and who the Baptists or the Charismatics say that you are should not be your I am. It was not Jesus. The Pharisees did not hang Jesus's I am on him. He didn't buy into it. And the Baptists and the Charismatics can't hang an I am on you unless you let them. Do you believe that you are just a person out of a certain family? Let me make it practical. I, I'm just a, I'm just a, a smith, you know. Uh, uh, I'm of a... Caucasian race or uh, Latino, whatever. Uh, and you know, I'm just a high school graduate. That's, that's who I am. That's who I am. If, if you do, then those conceptions that you have placed on your I am will bring exactly what you said you are. It will bring it to pass. I'm sorry. That's just the law of the universe and it's way the kingdom functions. Judges. Judges chapter 6. Let's get a good lesson here. Come on. Stay with me. Stay with me. We're going into some deep waters as we move forward in these weeks. And you cannot miss, believe me, because uh, I ain't going to go back and, and catch you up, brother. You're going to have to catch up on your own if you don't follow me. All right. Here, here's what I'm saying. Judges chapter 6. This perfect illustration right out of Scripture. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abezerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So they were responding to circumstances. Circumstances were not good. Midianites had the people of God under tremendous oppression. And so here's, you know, they'd taken all their food. So they, they were able to bootleg a little bit. So they were, this is not an easy way to work wheat, put it in a wine press. This was a hard job. This was not, it's like, you know, trying to use a flathead screwdriver in a Phillips screw. It, it, it's hard to work it. You might be able to pull it off, but it takes some effort. 
Okay, so this is what's going on. Gideon is hiding, bootlegging, trying to get a little bit of food to eat. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now that should have been his I am. That was the thought of the father. And that came, that came to Gideon. Woo. God is saying, I'm mighty man of valor. Now what has Gideon said? He said, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Why are all these circumstances, everything I'm seeing, hearing, touching, feeling, sensing, why is all this stuff happening to us? This is, we're in terrible dilemma, we're in terrible circumstances. Where are all the miracles? Oh, I've heard that so many times. Where's all the miracles that the fathers told us about saying, uh, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us to the hand of the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said to him, go in the might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Have I not put within you an I amness? Then in verse 15, he said, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh and I am. Here's his I am. I am the least in my father's house. And he was living it out. It was manifesting. He was creating exactly what he said. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So bring that in today's world. I'm just, I'm just a Smith. I, I just have a high school education. Um, you know, I, I, I've never amounted to much. My family hadn't amounted much. And to be honest with you, I'm the least in the family that never amounted to anything. That's my, see, that's my I am. God comes to you and says, no, wait a minute. You're a son. You're a creator. You have a, an identity as divinity. I've called you into this season of this world right now that you're going to begin to create. And when you create, it's going to draw people to you. And you're going to be able to share the grace and the good news of the gospel. If Gideon did not make a shift, he would have spent his whole life back there grinding out wheat in a wine press. His circumstances would have never changed. Now, listen to me. Gideon was living out his I am, but the Lord shifted his I am. Now, hear me, look me right in the eye. When your I am shifts, your life will shift. When your I am shifts, your life will shift. But you will never settle that I am until you come in touch, until your eyes open with the divine will and blueprint of your life. When Gideon, Gideon's eyes opened, he saw the blueprint God had for him. You came here with a father drawn up plan that you and he agreed on before you ever got here. Now it's your choice. <clears throat> it's your choice whether you follow that plan, that blueprint, that divine blueprint that you feed on from the tree of life, you tap into the things of the spirit, or you devise your own plan. In the natural, you can create either one. You can create what you're destined by the Father to create, or you can create one that you want to create yourself. But you'll never make the right choice until you understand all the spiritual forces that are available to you that will begin to align your life with the blueprint that you have to fulfill. Now, if you try to take dominion, you, I'm going to go, go on a natural route. So if you try to take dominion through through sheer willpower and force, manipulation, control, domination, the strength of your personality. I'm gonna tell you something, life's gonna be hard because it's not gonna produce what's gonna fulfill you. And there are a lot of people in that situation and they can come out of it at any time. Get your I am centered in the Christ. And from that place, let your thoughts, let your thoughts 
the renewed mind of Christ, feel the words that you speak. That's the path that's going to take your consciousness and raise it from natural to spiritual. And that's what we're after in doing this. We're raising our consciousness, we're raising our level of awareness that so that it's not natural anymore, it's totally spiritual. It will take your thoughts from below and put your thoughts that are above. Isn't that what Paul said in, in, in Colossians chapter three, verse one? He said, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You're seated in him. That should be your perspective. That should be from where, where you live. So live above the line. Get your thoughts elevated. Um, you don't have to be soulish led. You don't have to be five sense led. You can be spirit led. Claim your Christ's understanding from above at all times. At all times. Never say, I am one who does not know. Never say, I am one who does not understand. That is not your I am. You have the mind of Christ. Is there anything that could come to your life that the mind of Christ would not know the answer to? Now, I'm not talking about a calculus problem or you know a scientific whatever. I'm talking about situations in life. I'm talking about things that you're going to encounter where you can express from the inside the, the, the correctness of the, of the mind of the spirit and create a different atmosphere, create a different environment, create a different reality, create a different circumstance that you can create because you have the mind of Christ where, where before we said, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm not able to comprehend that. I just don't know. First John chapter two and verse 20 says that you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You know all things because of the anointing, that in divine, an anointing is nothing but a divine enablement, a divine gifting, not necessarily laying hands on the sick, but it's an anointing to know, to be able to perceive from within. So when you declare, uh, uh, I am not, and you declare, I am just ignorant. No, your I am is, I am one with the mind of Christ. That's that's exactly who, who I am. So in any situation, I want you to begin to know that you have, you can solve it. You can walk into the boardroom. You can walk into the place where you work. Everybody is not knowing what to do. You can come with a solution. You can come with an answer that they are not perceiving by the natural. What do you think that's gonna do after you do that eight, 10, 12, 15 times? You walk in and all of a sudden you have an insight, you have an idea, that you're able to explore and lay out there that nobody else with their natural thinking came up with. Listen to the voice within. The Christ lives within you. He's alive within you. He will feed your mind with creative thoughts that then will build on your imagination, that will drop into your heart and grow in abundance and you will speak out of the abundance of your heart and you will begin to create. You absolutely will. The consciousness of Jesus at the grave of Lazarus said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Why could he say that? Because he and the Father were one. There was only one voice. There was only one will. That's bringing your I am into alignment with the Father's I am that I am. That's exactly what Jesus did. He said, I, I am glad that you always hear me. You always hear me because we're one. The Father of Jesus was not out yonder to Jesus. Jesus knew that he and the Father were one. The Father was in him, he was in the Father. The, the Father for you, 
The creative power of the universe is not out yonder somewhere. It dwells within you. You're in him and he is within you. So learn to make your daily assertions. Get these daily assertions going. Your I amness. I am love. I am healthy. I am filled with wisdom. I am one that is cheerful at all times. I am possessed with power for good. I am prosperous. I am successful. I am useful. Now, if you don't create all those immediately, or you, by your appearances, you think you're lacking in some of those areas, keep your thoughts and your words in agreement together. Right? Just continue to let them be in agreement. Don't get discouraged. Every thought, every affirmation is watered by the words of your mouth. It'll begin to sprout. It'll begin to grow. And I told you that it's a joint effort. It's you and the Father coming in and working together. It's a co-creation. So our job is to think the, the thoughts, the mind of Christ. It's to let our imagination develop it. It's uh, to let our heart cook it. And when it's overflowing, our words will say it. All right, now next week, let me just say this. I'm, I'm done for today. Next week, I want to begin a very special six-week series. I've done a lot of series in my life. This may be, and I say this in all seriousness, this may be the most important six-week series I've ever done in my whole life. I want to do a six-week series on You Can Create. And when we're done in six weeks, I want you to begin to exercise the things that we're going to be teaching. We've, we've hit on a lot of them already, and some of you are picking it up in bits and pieces. But I want to do for six weeks is bring it right into focus. So I want to begin next week, and the title next week is going to be this, You Possess the Tools to Create. And we're going to go through some tools that you possess that you can put to work to create, and then we're going to spend a week examining each of those tools in some detail. All right, it's going to be good. You're going to like this. This is what's going to begin to separate us from the world. We have tremendous foundation. This all comes because of grace. We have a great foundation of grace. You know, that divine influence that produces effortless change in us as we rest in him, that favor of God, that, that goodness of God that we didn't earn, we didn't merit. All these things come because of that. These, this learning to create is, is, a, is a grace gift. It really is. So we're going to look at that very closely, and I want you to be with me for six weeks. We'll hit it on Sunday morning. We'll talk a little bit more on Wednesday. This would be, listen, this would be a great chance to expose your friends to the digital cathedral. It'd be a great chance to bring your friends over to the Don Keithley ministry page if they're awakening. Don't bring them over. They're just going to argue because I'll put them out of the group. That group is doing great. There are over 5,000 people that are, that are tuned and going the same direction. So it's a good time to jump on board. I'm not going to stop. The, I'm not going to stop the stop the train, stop the bus, so people can jump on for the next six weeks. We're just going to go after it, and we're going to go after it after it fast, hard, and continuous and deep. We're going to go deep. So I want you to be with me. And when we're done with that six weeks, you're going to start practicing because you're going to have the tools. You're going to have the understanding. Practicals. Rubber meets the road to begin to create health, jobs possessions, whatever it is that the mind of Christ has fed to you, which is going to be your thoughts, you're going to be able to function in this. And we're going to get some tremendous testimonies as the months go by. So God bless you. See you next week as we kick this off. Don't forget, next Sunday morning, we start six-week series, You Can Create. 
God bless you. We'll see you then. See you Wednesday night at The Secret Place. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, 10 a.m. next Sunday morning. See you then.